Welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. My ex is Peter C. Haywood. My ex is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley. We were engaged for two years and, and then, then we, we broke, broke up. up and then we stopped talking to each other for a year and now we do a podcast together. Would you have a baby with me? If I can get you to cry next podcast, we'll have a hat trick. <laughs> you don't know this, but I have a very vivid image of what your penis looks like. What? <laughs> if I met you now, I do not think that I would go out with you. Oh my God. I think if I met you now, I'd, I'd fall more in love with you than I did the first time. I was really afraid that the, that the internet wouldn't work well enough for us to record. Oh yeah, you're in your new place. How's your new place? It's good. I've still got a lot of stuff in boxes. Well, that makes sense. You only just moved in. I just moved in. But it's interesting because I haven't moved in like six years. You haven't moved since about a year before you and I met. 2010. Yeah, we met in 2011. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's from like, I lived there from like 20 to 27. That's pretty impressive. That's a long time. I've, I've barely stayed in the same country for that amount of time. <laughs> Which is funny because when we, the whole time we were going out, you hadn't left Australia. Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. And now you're the jet setter. Oh, fuck off. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you should be. Uh, you're recording with a, a big mirror behind you so I can see myself in Skype. So already I like your new living situation more. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, no, there's all these mirrors in my room and I'm not used to having mirrors in my room and it's making me a little bit self-conscious. <laughs> Because, like, I, I don't know, you know that thing of if there's a mirror and you know the mirror is there, I do. I think a lot of people, you kind of, like, you put on your mirror face, you know. <laughs> but that's why it's always so disconcerting if you see if you see yourself in a reflective surface that you didn't expect to be there. Oh, man. And you're like, whoa, that is not me. I don't have my mirror face on. But <laughs> I, can't have my, I can't have my mirror face on all the time. Also, I think it's just weird, and I've been like, do I look, uh, I don't know, my body looks different. I mean, like, was that there before? <laughs> Did I always have two boobs? I remember having one. I definitely had one, but that second one, is that new? Are you less likely to walk around nude? At this stage, I'm, like, feeling it out. <laughs> I've been walking around nude, and, and sometimes I've been like, yeah, that works. And sometimes I've been like, yeah. Not as into it today. Is it, is it a lighting situation or just a mood situation? I think it's a mood situation if I'm feeling good about myself. Also, I think what happened is that I put all of my clothes into my wardrobe and previously I had a wardrobe that was, I think it was technically a Korean hanging system, whereas like a two-tiered open wardrobe. So I could see all of the clothes, whereas now they're behind mirrors because I just shoved all my clothes in there. I didn't know where any of the clothes were. I don't know. And something about that made me feel like, I don't have anything to wear. I look terrible and everything. And I was like, no, it's just that you don't know where your clothes are. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, because all of your clothes are now behind a mirror, you can't get clothes without seeing yourself naked. Like, it's a trial you have to pass. Actually, that's kind of part of it. So I've been like, I've been like, just move that mirror out of the way. Sometimes... When I go to get clothes, because I'm like, I just don't want to see myself in the nude right now, <laughs> which is kind of, I don't know. It's, it's definitely not something that I'm proud of. I like liking my body, but the reality is that sometimes I don't. Are you a nude person? 
Like the whole time you and I were together, you lived in share houses, so there's not really that much opportunity to be nude. I don't know. I feel like I feel like we had some friends that that really really played with that. Oh yeah, that's true. We used to have, uh, <laughs> some nudist friends, but that that was that was a different house. I mean, when you and I lived together. Am I a nude person? You mean as in like if I didn't live in a share house, if I lived in a place by myself? Yeah. If I lived in a place by myself, I would be nude all the time. I don't know what I'd settle into, but because I've been traveling a bit lately and been in hotel rooms or apartments and stuff, I just like nude all the time that I'm there. <laughs> and I like, for some reason, I like if I have a serv- like an apartment, so, you know, with like a bedroom and a bathroom and a lounge room and a kitchen type thing, I'll always put my suitcase in the middle of the lounge room and then walk around naked all around it. Like, I don't want to put my clothes in the bedroom. I have no idea why. I like getting dressed in the lounge room. That's really just tedious. For, just for the variety? <laughs> no, I think that, I, I actually think that's interesting. Like, I genuinely do. I think because the lounge room is where it's happening. So I, <laughs> I just want to get dressed in there. Even though functionally they're all identical. Yep. I don't know why that is. I really like staying in hotels in the US because they're so big. Oh, are they? Yeah, like maybe it's my experience of Australian hotels. I would always get the cheapest hotel room I could find in Australia. That doesn't sound like you. <laughs> Something that would be like half the size of our old room together. So like... Oh, yeah, that is, that's quite little. Yeah, and that, that's what I was used to in a hotel room. Do you want to give a rough idea of how big that is for people who didn't live with us? Which is probably, probably most of our audience. <laughs> that would be like 2.25 meters by three and a half meters. Yeah, so that's what I was kind of used to in a hotel room. And that's fine. Like, that's all I need because I'm a very functional kind of person. And then you stay in a hotel room in the US and it's about three to five times as big as our old room. So like three meters by five meters times five. <laughs> That's for the cheapest hotel room. I think you would kind of laugh at my process of moving because so I'm in a slightly smaller room, which I didn't quite realize until I got here. It's a slightly smaller room, but it has a closet, which your other one didn't. Yes, this is true, but I can't fit all of my, I can't fit all my stuff in it, which is fine. Like my bookcase is too tall for the room. There was just a couple of moments where I moved in and I realized that all of the things that I had wouldn't fit into. I was like, my cupboards won't fit into this closet. Oh shit. Oh no, my bookcase is too tall. Oh, it's like five centimeters too tall. You accidentally downgraded. Yeah. But I didn't kind of really cull anything at all. <laughs> Jesus. Which you would have loved. I just, I, I think because I was like, this whole process is too emotional and I don't have enough time. I'm just going to like disconnect and put everything in boxes. So I didn't, I didn't like really look at anything. I just put it in a box, in a box. Wait, so how did you deal with your overly tall bookshelf? I'm imagining it's there just like on its side <laughs> and you're like, side bookshelf, that's how I live now. No, I asked if I could put it in the lounge room. We could have a bookshelf in the lounge room because mostly it has books on it. So you've expanded from one room into two rooms now. <laughs> yeah. I'll see, I'll see what happens there. I don't know. But the house is really big. So there's kind of space around the place. There's lots of lighting in your room, which I know was a, was a key factor for you. Yeah, I just can't be in a room with no light. I think because I work from home. Yeah, that makes sense. I was just thinking about how I used to be so terrible at working from home. Didn't I? I don't know how to correctly answer that. <laughs> I, f- I feel like that's a trap. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying I was bad at working from home. You were bad at working on things generally. Yeah, and all of the working happened at home. 
Right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You you were bad at working from home, but I think you could take from home away from that. And it was true. <laughs> I was bad at working. You were similarly bad at working with a turtle in the room, or <laughs> bad at working on a sunny day. I wasn't completely awful at working. You, you've limited it arbitrarily, and I'm like, that subsect <laughs> is true because the whole is true. Look, I was. I've gotten a lot better, but I wasn't like completely awful. I did get stuff done. It was just like only stuff that had deadlines. And it was only at the last possible minute. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely true. Yes. But now I've gotten a bit better at working from home. But I used to be like, oh, no, what I need is a studio and a different space to go to and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's great if that works for you. But I don't know. I was just thinking about how there's – I feel like there's this kind of idea about how – you're supposed to work as an artist or something like you're if you're working from home it means that you're not real or you just aren't you you know what I mean which I don't know I think that's mostly my own shit one of my favorite bloggers the ferret has this great philosophy he has he has a few great posts about writing the point that he makes is that the majority of writers do this thing where they're like oh I found the system that works for me everyone I have found the system that works. This is the correct way to write. (laughs) And if you do this, then you will be able to write because it worked for me. Therefore, it will work for you. And that's definitely not limited to writing. That's like a a thing in life that I think accounts for a lot of the differing philosophies of like what is good and what is evil. Because people are like, oh, man, this thing works. Guys, I solved it. Everyone in the world, I've solved all the moral problems. It's fine. I've got this. This is something that I talk about a lot in terms of my work in the mental health system. I think just working in the mental health system, you need to be aware of that tendency to want to, you know, people want to give the advice that worked for them. It's a natural tendency to be like, I found it, everyone, let's share it. It makes sense. But there needs to be an understanding that different things are going to work for different people. It sounds so dumb, but it's so hard to actually comprehend. It's just such a natural inclination to do it pretty commonly in sort of community groups or support spaces. They'll have a guideline of no advice giving so don't be like I think you should do this and everyone's like totally on board with that and then when it gets down to it and someone says something about something that people are passionate about people are like oh that happened to me here's what I did everyone's like no no I did this no you should try this which isn't a bad thing it's just it's a good human nature thing to want to share the stuff that works then that you're passionate about and so one of the best books on writing is by stephen king it's called on writing it's really good and the ferret has a blog post about the fact that he was tr- like stephen king is like here is how you write a book and the ferret tried that for years and just kept on failing and was like i'm not a real writer because like one of the greatest writers ever has given me a nice blueprint and it's not working what is wrong with me and he, it took him a while to work out that you know like everything in the world you you can't just take someone else's advice that worked for them and apply it blindly to your life. And so like, you know, working at a studio that probably works for a lot of people. Um, I think, I think it's an easy trap to fall into, to be like, Oh, if I just had this, I would be able to whatever. Like if I just had a studio that I could go to two days a week, I would absolutely be able to write my novel. We talked about this previously about you writing more and finding more ways to write. Do you remember? Did we? Because I was, I was, I, we've recorded so much shit now that like. <laughs> I don't think it was recorded. I think it was just a conversation. Oh, right. And I was like, it's the interesting balance between actually attempting strategies that will improve your situation 
and then also like not using the absence of those situations as a way of not doing the thing. Yeah, as, as crutches. Yeah, which I've done so much, and I, I, I mean, I, I still do it. I'm like. <laughs> We talked about it in the warm-up, but at the moment I'm right now, like, I can't edit the podcast unless I have my partner's computer. <laughs> That's not a safety blanket. That's like... That's not a safety blanket, but it, like, I think that there's probably a lot to unpack around why I get in those situations where I just don't... Improve your station in life? I just get stuck. I think it's because, I don't know, I mean, I think particularly around money and, and also computers i've had such a relationship with computers what do you mean i just do not like particularly because last time i tried to buy a new computer i found out that all the new computers all the new mac computers all the components were soldered in which means that you can't upgrade them at any point and it's they did that i i'm pretty sure they did that to make them smaller and kind of lighter but it means that they're completely uncustomizable and it it's sort of like it's kind of like planned obsolescence and uh, I, I don't think it's a very ethical use of resources. And that just sh- that just kind of shat me. I really like, I'm not, I'm not like a Mac fanboy, but I'm a fan of, of uh, business choices. And a lot of the time when Mac does something like that, people are like, oh, they're trying to gouge money out of people. But then you look at it for like more than a, from, from a less angry point of view and you realize that what they're doing is super, super sensible for their primary audience of the mass market. All the people that I've spoken to about this are like, really? Not many people would ask that when they bought a Mac computer. They've, they've done a, a cost-benefit analysis and been like, look, the people who buy our computers are not the people who want to upgrade them. Uh, the people who want to upgrade their computers are such a tiny part of our market. Let's make every computer a little bit better at the expense of like that segment of the market. And I'm like, that makes sense. I'm 100% fine with that. Because like the the Mac philosophy generally is that they don't want you to have to think about your computer, which I think is an amazing thing. Uh, people who like to think about their computer are like, what? What bullshit? That, that's dodgy business practices. But like the more computers become central to our lives, I think the, the, it's better that we have to think about them less. Yeah, I suppose there's different ways of thinking about what, what the answer is. You know, for some people, they'd be like, oh, we just need to improve computer literacy. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think that's an un. Firstly, I think that's unrealistic. Second, I think it's, I don't think it's that useful. And thirdly, I don't think that's on Mac. <laughs> I don't think that that's where everything is going. No. <laughs> so maybe next time I'll have a new computer. <laughs> do, do you reckon? Do you reckon that's possible? <laughs> maybe I don't know. Big. I think also big purchases like that and money stuff always makes me feel so anxious. So I just have. I avoid it. So you've got to, I'm going to tell, I'm going to, I'm going to break your no advice rule and give you some advice because that is what the podcast is. <laughs> I, hey, I didn't say that this was an advice free space. You said that before we started recording, you said, Peter, firstly, I think you're really awful just as a person on every level. Secondly, don't give me advice. Now let's start recording. And I was like, can I respond to that? You're like, no, you cannot. Cause I am the boss of this. And I tell you exactly what to do at all times. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> uh, so I think you've got to accept the fact that you work from home. You are a professional. You need professional tools to do that. Yeah, I think it comes down to this like very ingrained artist scarcity mentality. I can survive on, on $800 a month as long as I spend nothing. 
Yeah, I think it's actually a really good quality that a lot of my creative artist friends are incredibly resourceful and really, really great at working with what they have. Case in point, the fact that you've been telling me to get a new computer for like three years. (laughs) 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 I think in the time that I've had one computer, how many computers have you had, Current? How many computers have you had? Uh oh, <laughs> that's staying in. That's staying in. <laughs> I get to edit this podcast, so. <laughs> uh, I'm going to make it so interesting. You have to keep it in. I fuck up yours and Corin's names quite a bit. I did it the other Lucy day. Lucy called me a... the wrong name for the first time yesterday. Oh, what did he call you? Uh, Mike, I think. Who's Mike? Someone else Lucy's dating. Oh, okay. That makes sense. You know we're Polly, yeah? <laughs> no, no, no. But, you know, I just hadn't heard anything about Mike. Uh, well, that's because he's not... He's like two steps removed from the podcast for someone <laughs> I already use a fake name about on the podcast. Like, <laughs> I don't know how much you expected to hear about Mike. <laughs> I need live tweets. <laughs> uh, I have never gotten Lucy's name wrong. And I'm dating someone else and I've never gotten her name wrong either. I get yours and Karen's name wrong all the fucking time. Did I do that when, I, when you and I were together? I'm sure that it happened. I feel like it would have been a pretty big deal if I had. <laughs> I keep getting your name confused and my dad's name confused, but you you never knew that, so it's fine. That's weird. That's, uh, that's super strange. I think maybe because it would have been such a big deal because every time I was dating someone else for you, there was drama, that maybe that's what like trained me so carefully not to ever get the oh, name wrong. not to ever do that. Yeah, I'm not like that anymore. <laughs> Has Karen ever called you the wrong name? Yes, but I don't know what he's calling me. Dad. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I get I get names wrong a lot. I, I think I told you I did it in text message the other day whilst Karen was watching me text. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is a new level of getting names wrong. Amazing. <laughs> I retired from professional erotica writing the other day. What? Yeah. What? This is completely new. Yeah. I picked up some work. I looked at the amount I was getting paid and I was like, you know what? If I can get this amount of work like once every two or three months, I don't have to write erotica anymore. And suddenly it was like a a weighted lift off my shoulders. And on Saturday, Lucy was like, hey, what are you up to today? And I was like, you know what? I don't have anything I have to do today. And he actually cried. He cried? Cried? Yeah. Like tears of joy? Yeah. Lucy doesn't really cry. Like, I've seen Lucy cry two times now, and that was one of them. Wow. Can I ask what the other time was? <laughs> no, uh, let's not you... go there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not particularly interesting. Um, oh! I mean, I can tell you, uh, he got an email from one of those services that you write yourself an email in 10 years in the future. Oh, wow. And so he read that and cried. And I was like, that's really cool. <sighs> I almost cried watching a film that I've seen four times yesterday. Is it because you'd seen it four times? Is that... <laughs> no, it's because it's a beautiful film. It's only like six minutes long. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It is so good. <laughs> Everyone, you're going to cry. I cried while listening to Millennial. I think I already told you that though. Why? Which bit? Episode 13. It's it's the like third or fourth episode of season two. And it's just, it's just, oh, it's just beautiful. I cried. I was driving and I cried. So I am no longer writing erotica, but I'm now doing board games professionally and I still have like income from erotica because books continue to sell, but it is no longer like a thing that I have to d- dedicate time to. That's really new. Wow. That must be good. Wait on. So what's happening with your Patreon? Uh, I'm going to shut it down. Wow. Wow. Huh. Hmm. 
And that's kind of where I got to after our conversation. I found some paying board game work. So I'm no longer doing like three things full time. So I'm doing board games and then also writing sitcoms. Uh, but we were talking about working from home and how, how you actually do it. So what is, what is your system? How do, you, how do you work from home? Hmm. Let me just think. Do you want me to talk about my system? Sure. I didn't really think that I had that much of a system. But what's your system? Everyone has a system, even if they don't think of it as a system. Like you have stuff that you do to make sure that you get work done and stuff that you, an order that you do stuff in and all that kind of jazz. Okay, what's your system? So I have a... Oh, I, I just realized I'm going to be intimidated by your system. Okay, you go first. Every time you tell me about your system, I try and do it, and then I just I just fuck it off. I never use it. Well, that's because it's not it's not the same for both of us. We're different people. Mm. Having said that, my system is amazing. <laughs> my system has mostly become, holy fuck, you have so many things to do, you need to do them. Right, but how, how do you choose which ones to do? Genuine question. So, and I think I told you about this before, I write a to-do list. I'm much better with written out to-do lists than with digital ones. And I write down all the things that I think that I need to do. And usually I copy a bunch of it from the previous to-do list. And then I highlight the things that I actually really need to do that day. So I have like a list and then like five things that are highlighted. And that's just so that, because otherwise previously I'd write a big list and then I'd be like, you know what? That one looks easy. I'm going to knock that one out of the park. But then I'd end up having done all the shit that it's a successinator thing. I would have done all the stuff that wasn't really, really vitally important. (laughs) So now I do that, which is really helpful. Or there's this strategy that I got from Neville Medora, which is where you get a blank piece of paper, you write down your to-do list with your appointments and stuff, then you get another piece of paper, you put it over the top and so that you can only see the first item on the list. And so you have to do that thing and that's when you can look at the next one. And that's been really effective, except I can never get my mind organized enough to actually put them in the order that they need to be done. So I just use the highlighting method. So I, after, after the last one where we talked about the procrastination matrix, I read that post again. By the way, uh, this should be pretty well known by now. It's fucking amazing, that post. It is the best post on the internet. Everyone should read it. And you're, you're using uh, impostinator when you mean successinator. What is an impostinator? Impostinator is someone who seems busy, but they never actually enter quadrant one. They're always running around doing all the non-important stuff that is like either urgent or urgent. So they their days are filled. And that was me. I was always like, man, I'm doing so much stuff. I run panel shows. I run erotic here. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. But I was never actually working towards my goals. Uh, that's an impostinator. Successinator is if you've managed to find a way to give yourself deadlines. Is that right? Because you have an audience. Because you have such success that you can't not do anything. I used to successinate a lot. I still kind of do sometimes. With what? Well, because I have deadlines. So I have to do stuff. But I will avoid it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a successinator for erotica and board games because that's stuff that I have like really specific deadlines that I need to accomplish things by. But for most of the time that you and I were dating, I was an absolute impostinator. <laughs> and I was just not, I wasn't, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where the fuck I was. And so I actually, I, th- I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, read this book called Eat That Frog which is one of my 
favorite books on productivity ever because the, the, the concept it's from a, it's from a quote from someone famous i think maybe an american president who said that if the first thing maybe mark twain someone anyway said if the first thing you do upon waking up is eat a frog then everything else you do by day will be easier in comparison and it's this book of productivity advice that like uses this frog metaphor in 17 different ways most of which are nonsense so it's really good advice presented in a really corny way which would not like it makes you roll your eyes, but also it sticks in your head. <laughs> so wait, then by eating the frog, do they mean like do that the really hard thing first? Is that one of the tips? Yeah, yeah. So the first tip is eat that frog, which is find the thing that you are putting off the most and get that done first. Yes, this is the highlighting thing that I do. Yeah, exactly. Because I used to be like, oh, I'm feeling a bit self-conscious. You know what I'll do? I'll just tick off something easy. I'll get that out of the way. But I think, and I remember listening to This Feels Terrible, uh, which is a podcast by Erin McGathy. There's an episode with Josie Long, who's a great comedian. And she talks about how she's like, really only got one golden hour of work time in her per day. <laughs> and it's always first thing in the morning. And if I think about like, as I go on, my mood as I get later in the day becomes way less able to tackle a difficult thing. Absolutely. It's not only difficult, it's stuff that is intimidating, which I guess is a form of difficult. Uh, yesterday, I had the shittiest day yesterday. I am trying to transfer my license from an Australian license to a Canadian license. And so I was like, okay, first thing, that's what I'm going to do. going to get up and do that. So I drove to the DMV or whatever the Canadian equivalent is and waited there for five hours. <laughs> And then finally got to the counter and they were like, yeah, you need, you need a different piece of paper that we didn't tell you that you needed. <laughs> I have this idea of what the DMV is like, and that is perfectly <laughs> aligned with my stereotype. So I wasted an entire day yesterday trying to get like the first, but the thing is, even while I was waiting, I got other stuff done. So I like, I, I did a bunch of emails while I was waiting in line and I wrote down ideas for stuff and so on and so forth. Um, my system that I really like is largely based off Eat That Frog. I use a website called Workflowy, uh, work, F-L-O-W-Y.com, which is just like, it's just a list site, but it is the best possible list site. Just like Slack, the communication thing is just like, does everything correctly. Workflowy does everything correctly for lists. Slack was built with Workflowy, I'm pretty sure. How was it? Like the people who built Slack used Workflowy. <laughs> Slack was originally built to communicate about a video game they were working on. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. And so Workflowy is just amazing. Like I used it for about five minutes and then was like, right, I'm subscribing to this. And now I have like a lifetime subscription over. Like I will, I will keep on paying for that for the rest of my life because I use it for everything now. Yeah, you do. I love it. Like my entire life is on Workflowy. It backs up not only like manually downloads to my computer once a day, but also they have backups and I email it to myself once a day. You email it to yourself once a day? It manually does. Like I've, I've got it set up with if this, then that. It automatically does that. Yeah, I've got it set up to automatically back up. Okay. Yeah, you actually have, I've looked at your workflow. It's pretty intense. It's like all of your life plans and also your tedious day-to-day -day shit. <laughs> yeah. And so I work really well with lists or like menus. I work really well with a menu. You give me a menu of things and I'll be like, that one, please. Uh, which is why I liked having as many DVDs as I used to have when we were together. Because I'd be like, what do I want to watch? Let me investigate this wall of DVDs. Whereas if you're like, what do you want to watch? You have everything in the world available. It's much harder to make that decision. So I sit down, I've, I've sat down in the past and I do it pretty regularly and just write a list of everything I need to do. Everything in my life that I need to do. 
that I could possibly ever need to do is now in a list. And then I sort it into different categories. So like uh, podcast stuff or board game stuff or erotica stuff or around the house stuff. And then I sort those lists with the most important stuff at the top and the least important stuff at the bottom. So on any given day, I can be like, what do I want to do today? What am I in the mood to do? I'm in the mood to do podcast stuff. What is the most important podcast stuff? I'm going to do that. That's interesting. I approach it kind of differently. I'm like, what needs to get done today? Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've worked to get myself out of a situation of only doing stuff when it needs to get done. Okay, so as of Sunday, Monday, this has been my first week in a really long time where I have some time and space. I think probably in about, other than when I went to Darwin and hung out with my partner's family, I think the last three months there's been no time. Um, (laughs) It's just funny having all this space and then also being like, ah, fuck, I have shit to do. I don't remember ever really being in this position before, like the post-burnout zone where you've actually made changes. And then I'm like, how much time do I give myself? Because three or four months ago, I was in that very motivated, let's freaking get this done space, but had no time. And then I totally burnt myself out. And now I feel like I need to give myself space to actually get back to that place again. Without space, you can never do the Q2 stuff, which is like the... important but not urgent stuff that actually makes you a better human and also usually gets you to where you ultimately really want to be the things that you ultimately really want to do which i I would put as part of being a better human and also part of like working from home and working for yourself i think one thing i've realized recently particularly from watching you and also from consuming different stuff around freelancers and creative lives is that i don't want an empire i know that sounds kind of silly but i think that The idea in so many ways in terms of small business stuff is like you will keep going until you have built an empire of you. You have two employees and then five employees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'm like, actually, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I find those kinds of power dynamics can, in terms of relationships and stuff and managing people can be really, really complex. I find it to be like a lot of emotional labor in terms of being like, did I do the thing right? Fuck. And so I'd much rather work with collaborators or freelancers. No, it's it's super stressful having people who you're responsible for. Yeah, I don't I don't imagine really enjoying that. <laughs> and I remember previously years ago seeing people who'd had businesses that became really successful and then they like paired their business back to being like small overheads just them just one studio for them not like a big shop on Gertrude Street in Fitzroy kind of thing and I remember being like oh that's weird that you would do that and now I'm like I completely understand oh yes I like only having to manage myself (laughs) (laughs) so the second part of my to-do list uh so first of all I have like I have the master to-do list which is like everything I need to do sorted into categories And then every day I will make a little to-do list. And this is another thing I pulled from Eat That Frog, which is really good. I really thoroughly recommend it. There's there's five categories. There's A, B, C, D, and E. And so you take your tasks you want to do for the day and you sort them into the A, B, C, D, E, which is A is absolutely has to be done today. B is be nice if it was done today. 
C is, uh, I can't remember the actual what they stand for, so I've started making up my own, but I, I remember them pretty clearly, which is C is like, see if you can do the other things, and if you do, you've got time to do this, or celebrate that you did the other things by doing these things. So C is like the for fun stuff. And then D is delegate this shit away, and E is eliminate it. Like, you never actually need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and so I will, I will always, like, type out A, B, C, D, E and put them into the things. I've worked out a system well enough that I've never put, I haven't put anything to D or E for a very long time. Sometimes I'll have something in a D, and so, like, I'll just be like, right, I'm going to email someone and be like, hey, do this thing. But I can't remember the last time I put anything into either D or E. And then I will work through all of the A stuff. And then if I've done that, I'll work through all the B stuff. And then if I've done that, I get to do the C stuff, which is always a delightful little treat. I tried to do that method, but I just, I think what it is for me is that I get so lost in my computer and my phone so easily. So having a to-do list that's on my computer, the moment I'm like, oh, I need to look (laughs) at my to-do list. Then I end up like researching about the Arab Spring on Wikipedia and finding out about the social history of, Tunisia and then I'm like I'm sure that there was something I was supposed to do so for me like having the piece of paper is really important but I also use workflow but not really that much I just have I did similarly that whole write down everything that you need to do or should do or whatever but for me that was a really big kind of experience because that was the moment that I realized that the amount of tasks that I was trying to actively do or that I felt like I should be actively doing was completely unrealistic like just so unrealistic I've been like no wonder I'm so stressed because no human can do all these tasks yeah no one can do this shit but I think that particularly when you look at other people who are working creatively or working for themselves sometimes it's really difficult to understand what their actual life is like because anyone who's running a small business or or working creatively is also is also a brand. Yeah, absolutely. How you see what those people are doing is curated. And it's difficult. I find it difficult, particularly in terms of like, I know that I'm projecting a certain image, but I also want to be authentic. But I also, I don't know, want to be professional. I don't know. It's weird. I just tell the truth about everything all the time. It seems to work for me. So yeah, but the truth is that the truth is absolutely not a concrete thing. Uh, like there, there's maybe two things in terms of my professional life I don't discuss on this. Uh, one of them because it's in the middle of like happening, so I can't talk about it. I've talked to you about it off the podcast, but like once that's resolved, I'll probably tell the whole story because I find that kind of stuff interesting, but I can't talk about it while it's happening. And that's about it. Like, Wait, on, you said that there were two. What's the other one? I know, I know. I was trying to think of what the second one was going to be, but I, I, I will often pick a number and then like fill in those numbers as I go. <laughs> There's oh, wow. some authenticity for you. <laughs> uh, I, found, I found that to be pretty effective. Uh, during text, it's much better because you can get to the end and be like, oh, actually, I've got two more. I'm going to add them up. But when speaking, I'll be like, okay, three things. And then as I go, I'll be like, oh, and there's another thing. And there's my third thing. Okay, done. Uh, but I can't think of stuff. Like, can you think of anything else that I don't talk about on the podcast that I talk to you about? Professionally? Yeah. There's stuff that's happened around the podcast that we haven't spoken about on the podcast. That's true. We'll, we'll, but again, we'll do that someday. Yeah, maybe. The two other things about my working from home, and I actually do have two ahead of time this time. Hey! <laughs> is uh, I use the Pomodoro method, and I've used that since before you and I met. Oh, I use that so hardcore. 
for some people it stresses them the fuck out they can't work with like something ticking down they're like ah no i can't do that uh, the pomodoro method is it's named after the italian word for tomato because it's based on those little tomato timers that you can get and the the rule is simply 25 minutes of work five minutes of not work 25 minutes of work five minutes of not work and i think you do that four times and then you have a 25 minute break uh, or a 15 minute break depending on, on which one you read but yeah you go, you do a period of 25 minutes work five minute break is called a pomodoro you do four pomodoros then take a longer break what i like about the pomodoro thing is just that 25 minutes i'm like i can i can do that yeah absolutely it breaks the stuff down that's how i edit this podcast because otherwise i just freaking it's intimidating as fuck no no i start out on a run Jing, 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 jing. And then I get maybe an hour and a half in and I'm like, fuck, I am tired. And then I realize I haven't <laughs> taken a break. Uh, <laughs> I use the app called Focus Keeper on my phone. I use a one called Pomodoro app on the computer and it's really good because it lives in the taskbar, but you can also have it hover above all your windows. Okay. I think I have that one too. I don't like to use it on my computer. This is so tedious. I don't like to use it on my computer because often when I have a break, I leave my uh... desk. So... When I edited the last podcast, what I did was edit the podcast for 10 minutes, go lie in the sun for five minutes, edit the podcast for 25 minutes, go lie in the sun for five minutes. <laughs> that sounds delightful. <laughs> it was actually really great. I tend to use my breaks to check other websites, which is like bad for my sitting at the computer all day, but that's how I like to operate. Uh, the last thing I'll say about working from home is that I aggressively hate alarms. Alarms? Like waking up alarms oh yeah sure and so i haven't set one of the like if i have a meeting in the morning i'll set an alarm for like 10 minutes before that meeting but other than that i do not set alarms i just sleep until i want to wake up and then i wake up and, and start working yeah because you completely you completely work for yourself i still have another job <laughs> <laughs> sucks to be you also i often have a lot of meetings now nah, i'm an alarm girl i'm an alarm girl yeah, some people, are, some people are, no, I hate it. I hate being woken up by an alarm. I like being woken up by a person who brings me a nice hot cup of tea or coffee, but I hate being woken up by an alarm. Do you have that kind of alarm that you like? No, not yet. Someday. <laughs> have you seen there's an alarm that if you don't get up, it starts shredding your money? What? <laughs> it's kind of silly. I don't think anyone would actually use it. You're supposed to put like $50 notes in there. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I think every time you snooze, it shreds a $50 note. Do you remember I used one of those for going to the gym when we were together? Yes, gym packed. Yeah, I lost money to that thing. Did you really? But I, I lost money once, and for the rest of it, I made the mistake of using a gym that had, like, set hours. Oh, rather than an anytime one. A lot of time, I would just, like, it would be outside of hours. I'd be like, fuck, if I don't go, I'm going to lose money. So I'd just drive to that gym, log in, sit outside the gym for half an hour, log out, go home again. <laughs> Yes, I do remember you doing that. <laughs> really dumb. But it's kind of a kind of a cool idea to explain it that it's this thing called gym pact and you go, okay, I want to go to the gym three times a week and if I don't, find me $50. And so then it goes via your location. You tell it where your gym is. It knows where gyms are generally, so you can check into any gym. Oh, right. Okay, okay, okay. And... If you don't do it, then it charges you $50 and it gives the money to everyone else who did do their gym pact that they signed up for. Yeah, so I think I lost like $50 once and was like, this is clearly not working for me. <laughs> <laughs> but how many times did you spend just like playing iPhone games out, out the front of 
at the front of your gym? More, more, more than five. <laughs> more than five times. I went to my gym, logged in, played iPhone games because like it would be closed and I couldn't go and I'd missed like my chance to go earlier that day. And was like, I could go now, except for it's outside of gym hours. Uh, it was, it's a clever system. It wasn't for me. Do you get outside of your house very much? Yeah. I ride to my girlfriend's house. No, but I mean, like, if you're working all day, do you leave your house? Oh, that's something I was going to talk about. Um, when I w- first started working from home, we lived together. And I found it very challenging to work in the same room as you because we shared a room. And so I would go to cafes and work for the day. And that was... Uh, that was really good for a little while, but the appeal quickly wore off, and so I did that less and less. Well, cafes are kind of annoying in some ways because, I mean, A, you have to buy something. B, if you have to charge your computer, often you fucked. And C, it's like if you go to the toilet and you're like, am I going to leave my computer here? Am I not? None of those things were issues for me. <laughs> oh, right. They're, they're all the issues that I face. I would go and like treat myself with a nice meal for doing a day of work. I have a much lower standard of a nice meal than you two. So I'd spend like $13 on a meal and be like, this is great. I'm having a little treat, little day out. I would always pick a place that had a PowerPoint so I could plug my computer in. And I have never had anything stolen from me in my entire life. So that was not something that ever crossed my mind. Also, the staff knew who I was and so they'd keep an eye on my things. Yeah. Okay. Okay. One thing that we were talking earlier about like crutches the big crutch that I have is if I want to do creative writing, I want to do it in like an eight hour block. I hate doing like an hour or two because it takes me like an hour or two to warm up and then I get a bunch of work done really intensely and then I'm done. And so I will quite often like put off writing in any form if I don't have a solid chunk of time to work on it. That's part of the reason why erotica has been stressing me out so much because I was like, I need a day to work on erotica. I can't just work on it for an hour or two hours. I need a full day and those full days are really hard to find. Uh, when you when you're doing when you're doing like sixteen little projects, it's really hard to get a full day for anything. And so erotica stressed me out a lot. And so uh, that is a crutch that I'm kind of okay with because it I know that I work best when I can work on something for a huge amount of time all at once. The other thing that I do is I have days dedicated to certain tasks. So Wednesday, which is today, is podcast day. Hey! And that is the day when I will listen to podcasts, edit podcasts, upload podcasts, do the newsletter, etc., etc. Didn't do any of that today because I am, I think, starting to get sick, so I had a big four-hour nap. But Wednesday is podcast day. I sort of have that as well. Yeah? I'm like, Wednesday, Thursday is podcast day. <laughs> uh, I, I'm thinking of moving it to Tuesday because I would ideally like to upload on Wednesday, and so days when I have to push it back a day or two, it becomes like, Friday is podcast day. <laughs> Fridays are generally for me writing Kickstarter update days. Those are the days when I write Kickstarter updates. And one of the reasons why erotica has been stressing me out is because I would quite often like have weekends or erotica time, but that is also when my boyfriend is at home and wants to hang out. So it was very easy to not do erotica and instead hang out with my boyfriend all day. How dare he want to hang out with you on a weekend? On his, t- <laughs> on his two days off. And so now like Sunday is pretty solidly sitcom day. That's the day when I write on sitcoms. Can I ask, have you actually... Have you and Lucy had, have you guys had arguments about how much you work? Not arguments, disagreements, tension. No, that, that was, it was a thing that I, I explicitly warned about going in. Oh, what I did was you like, say? Look, I work all the time. I love you. I want to hang out with you. I work all the time. And that is just going to be a fact for like the rest of my life. If that is not something that you like, if that is something that really appalls you or like puts you off or you dislike or anything like that, this isn't going to work. It's, it's not a case of like, I will change the most fundamental thing about myself. It is just like, 
that is a thing that I do and it is not going to work unless you are aware of that going in. Has that mitigated any arguments? <laughs> he works all the time as well. Ah, he's he's okay. almost as obsessive about his career as I am. It's funny because in the past two years, I've become a bit more like Peter. I've moved <laughs> in a Peterwood direction. <laughs> and so now... Like I'm that person that goes on holiday and is, and is like, so everyone, I just need to find some time to do some work amongst these lovely things that you've organized. When would be convenient for me to do that? Um. <laughs> yeah, that, that for me is like a, a fact going into any kind of meeting or uh, not meeting, any kind of holiday. I just realized that I feel really self-conscious about it. And I think particularly because my partner, when we first met, like there's been a significant change in how I work and how much I work and all that kind of stuff. He started dating SJ. He's now dating Peter. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I, I don't know if he, I don't know if he likes that. Mostly just, mostly just because of the penis. (laughs) It is a very good penis though. Look, it is a penis and that's, that's, (laughs) we can be sure of that. Is there anything else you want to say about working from home before we wrap up? I got to say, I really love being able to do my laundry. <laughs> like that might sound really silly, but I think some people working from home, they get really distracted by all the home stuff that they need to do. And that is definitely something that I do. But I think for me, that's why generally my room and my home space, I keep pre- like in comparison to my previous self, quite neat because that makes me feel calm and <laughs> like right now, the whole time we've been recording this podcast, my bed is not made. And that's like seriously shitting me, <laughs> which is, I don't know if you remember when we went out, like I never made my bed. No, ever. Never once. Never once. I'd be like, who the fuck would make a bed? That's so stupid. You're just going to get back into it. But I do a lot of stuff like that as kind of like mood management, self-regulation stuff. So that kind of like right. cleaning uh, like tidying my room. And also I do this thing that it's like a seven minute workout, which you put me onto, I think. I did. So I do that. Um, cause it's really easy. I can just do it in my room and I do it a lot. If I'm like, wow, I'm really, really anxious about something right now. Oh, really? So I will do that cause it will just kind of like, oh, that's great. Get rid of some of that energy and like make me, I don't know, just, it'll just make me feel a bit better and more able to kind of tackle the day, but I don't have to do a big exercise thing. I'm just like, yes, I did that thing. And I think the other thing that's a really good um, resource that I'll see if we can put it up somewhere is the, do you remember the Neville Medora problem solving checklist? Yeah, that's such a good little document. So Neville Medora, I take some of his stuff with a bit of a grain of salt um, just because it's not how I would write it, but he has a problem solving checklist and he's got some just great little kind of strategies. One of them I like is like, are you in a funk? Just pretend that you have to be somewhere now and you just remembered, get the shit you need and fucking leave your house. <laughs> just like fucking leave as if you're in really big trouble as a way of just kind of getting yourself out of the situation that you're in. Yeah, stuff like that can be super useful. Or stuff like like tidying your room really, really fast or like with a lot of enthusiasm for like 10 minutes and like just something about kind of changing the pace of what you're doing 
and changing the energy of what you're doing kind of resets where you are. I think that's why I like the Pomodoro thing because it's very structured and it's like, okay, break now. And I really try to not look at the internet on my breaks because I just I just need to go fucking outside make a cup of tea my kickstarter is still running uh draculasfeast.com i don't think it'll actually be running when this goes up but draculasfeast.com is where it was running and i really like my little break checking my email because it's generally a bunch of emails being like hey people have bought your thing here's your new total yeah my email is a very large source of anxiety so (laughs) the thing i will say that i really like about working from home is that if i need to brainstorm I need to like get up and do something and there's housework I can do. I can like load the dishwasher or sort some stuff out or if Lucy's listening to this, I know I don't do it as much as I could do. Ah! I did it last (laughs) night. Last night I was like, I need to solve this problem. So I just got up from my computer and I cleaned up the whole kitchen while I was solving it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I did yesterday. I was like, how am I going to write this email? I know I will unpack my boxes. I have currently got three or four podcasts backed up that I need to listen to two that I do with my brother and one that I do with you and so I've got a bunch of stuff that I need to unpack because I've brought a bunch of stuff with me from America uh, that I just need to sort and unpack and I'm like oh I can put that on the background while I unpack there's a bunch of advantages to working from home the downside is obviously that you don't have an end of day where you go home (laughs) And, and also that like it can be really 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 hard I think particularly in the beginning if you're like procrastination yeah if there isn't kind of momentum if there isn't momentum oh my god it's so painful Uh, I don't know if I don't know have you ever fucking been there but (laughs) I've been there a lot and just been banging my head up against the wall procrastinating I've basically made it an olympic sport I'm so good at it one of my problems is that like I need to cycle my work habits every two or three months or I get into a rut And I will know that I'm in a rut when I'm like getting up and just not starting work for a long time. So the latest trick I've used to get over that is I use the Pomodoro apps break setting to start. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have a, I'm going to start with a five minute break. At the end of this five minutes, I have to work. I think it's interesting that thing of, of what works, right? And we talked about it earlier of there's kind of this idea that you will find the way and that way will be the way that will work. But I think for me, it, it's just a process And it's kind of, there's actually quite a lot of labor involved in managing that process, changing that process, refining that process. So I'm listening to Hello Internet, a podcast by CGP Grey and Brady, who does number file videos. It's so good. It's like one of my top podcasts. It's amazing. And they talk about the fact that you can get addicted to productivity tips. Oh, I have been that person. Yes. And you can spend enough time on productivity tips that really, like, you're not saving any time. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, their the, the podcast, especially the early episodes, I've only listened to, like, the first five or six or, no, probably, like, 10 or 11 by this point. I really like it. Uh, they talk a lot about they both work from home and they're both self-employed and they both make YouTube videos. So they talk a lot about that. I know that he has a second podcast called Cortex, which is all about freelancing and, like, non-conventional career paths. I haven't listened to that yet. I suspect it's good. But I really recommend Hello Internet especially the one that we'll put in the show notes about emails. Also, there's a Mitchell and Webb sketch called Working From Home that we're going to link to, and I really recommend watching it. Oh, yeah, one of the, one of the challenges... Sorry, I know, I know we're going over time, but one of, the, one of the challenges is when you live with someone, working from home can be tricky. 
Uh, I've had no issues with Lucy. Lucy's really cool with like, yeah, you're working. I'll go off and do other things. Also, Lucy doesn't work from home, right? Right. But like Lucy is a school teacher and so I can get home at like 3 or 4 p.m. And I sleep in until about 11 a.m. So my day starts at like noon. Oh my God. That used to shit me up the wall. (laughs) Why? I don't think that it was fair, but... I think because I had a very particular schedule to be there and I was like, your schedule, which you choose, doesn't align at all. And that's very annoying. You say I choose it. I've had this schedule for like eight years now. Uh, at, at that point, like it is, it is not just me arbitrarily choosing it. That is the, the time that I work best. I think particularly because you would stay up late and you worked from our bedroom and so you'd have the light on when I was going to sleep. I'd turn the light off if you were going to sleep. Oh, no, you wouldn't. We had a big argument about it. Don't you remember? I do not remember this at all, though. Oh, I remember having a big argument about the lights. You would turn off, like, some lights, but you'd also be like, but I really need these lights on. And where you were coming from made sense because you're like, it's really bad for your eyes to just have the computer light at night and be working on your computer. So you'd have, like some other lamps on right but not like not like the main light yeah it was still very bright uh and i was like i know a way we could solve this problem just go to bed earlier (laughs) and get up at the same time as me which uh you know maybe wasn't very understanding (laughs) 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 but i was uh i was frustrated thankfully i'm very 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 good at falling asleep so it wasn't as much of an That's issue it. If, as it, it would like, have been. If it had been depriving you of sleep, we would have worked out something, but it wasn't. I think that actually probably what it was about is I was just like, give me cuddles. Why won't you give me cuddles? I quite often would. I'd come up and cuddle you until you went to sleep and then go back to work. I know, but apparently that just was not enough. That does sound like our relationship. <laughs> we have an outro this week from Jeffrey Sun. Thanks for listening to Being Honest With My Ex. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review, and tell your friends. Peter is my favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> that his voice sounds like the voice of the protagonist of an indie video game that that I would enjoy. <laughs> Can you name three indie video games that you've enjoyed? No. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh... Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Leave a review. Tell your friends. I'm just going to say what the outro says. Peter's my favorite son. Uh, If you haven't yet, check out SJ's Patreon. Patreon.com slash Honor Eastly. What kind of cool stuff can they get from that, SJ? So there's kind of the obvious stuff. So we send out episodes of the podcast a week early. And they always come with, like, little updates about what's happening. Usually I also – I've been having a lot of fun – telling people what's going on or being like, come to this thing. I'll be there. What's what's up? It also does come with deleted scenes sometimes. We also do a monthly Patreon call, Peter and I, and it's actually a lot of fun and we have some really good conversations. But I've been having a lot of fun with the the handmade stuff that I'm supposed to send. Like I say, supposed to send? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually quite indicative of, of my relationship with with the Patreon sometimes. This is the best ad for Patreon ever. <laughs> I just said that I've been like working back to back for like the last three months. So I'm finally like, 
oh, now I have some proper space to do these things. I think last month I sent a mix CD. And this month, I actually didn't send a handmade thing. I sent uh, something from The Vault, which was a CD of songs that I recorded in 2011, 2012. This is your song? Yeah, a project that I did called This Is Your Song. You can find out some more details about it on my website, but it was basically where I got people to give me stories from their lives. And then I wrote them songs and I took my piano to the bedroom and then I played them the songs. Who took your piano to the bedroom? Just remind me. (laughs) Yeah, we did. (laughs) That was the heaviest piano that I've ever like, because it wasn't a piano, it was a keyboard. It was the heaviest keyboard in existence. And I helped you carry that up and down like 45 sets of stairs over the course of that project. Yes. So yeah, all kinds of cool stuff on SJ's Patreon. Also, you get to help her fulfill her dream of living creatively, which is a super cool thing to do as well. And our dream of continuing to do this podcast. That's true. Without the Patreon, this podcast would have well entered unsustainable about two months ago. Oh my God. Yeah, totally. (laughs) It's terrifying. So if you like the podcast and want to see more of it uh, or listen to more of it, Go to SJ's Patreon. If you like SJ, go to her Patreon. And if this goes up before November 11th, go to DraculasFeast.com and check out my Kickstarter. That's all from us this week. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, that was a good warm-up. You want to do the podcast now?